Welcome to the KPMG Tax Now podcast. In this podcast, we explore some of the more complex matters across tax, economics, regulation, and compliance. Each month, we meet with KPMG's foremost experts and other special guests to unpack key issues faced by taxpayers around the globe. The ATO had parked the gardens. Now, the boom gates are open. But what does this mean for you and the FBT you pay on car parking? Get your high vis ready because you might need to start counting cars. Hello, my name is Sam Gavakol. I'm a senior consultant in the KPMG employment tax practice. And today we are going to be discussing the impact that recent case law and tax rulings have had on what constitutes a car parking fringe benefit. We'll also be sharing our practical insights into how to identify car parks that may be affected. With me today to discuss are my employment tax colleagues, Stacey Begar, Director, and George Cressy, Senior Manager. Hello to you both. Hi, Sam. Hey, Sam. Before we start, I should give a brief overview as to what a car parking benefit is. A car parking fringe benefit can only arise where the employee parks their car for at least four daytime hours in an employer-provided space in the vicinity of the principal workplace, and there is a commercial car parking facility that charges more than a threshold amount for all-day parking within one kilometre of the entrance to the employee's car park. Car parking fringe benefits have been the subject of recent court cases, tax rulings, and even a media release from the federal government. This means previously excluded car parks may now be taxable. Understandably, there may be confusion as to what locations give rise to car parking fringe benefits and how best to prepare for the end of the FBT year. Stacey, given all this movement, can you give a quick rundown as to what has been going on in the previous couple of years? No worries, Sam. So I guess if we take a big step back, following a number of cases taken to court by airlines, including Qantas and Virgin, the ATO really needed to update its guidance provided in that 1996 ruling on car parking. So in late 2019, the ATO then released a draft which indicated a real important shift in their view on the definition of a commercial car parking facility. And in particular, that car parks that had penalty rate structures would now be considered to fall within the definition from 1 April 2022. Well, since the release of that draft, it's been a bit of a bumpy road. The ATO then released the ruling in final in mid-2021. And the main difference between the draft and the final was that definition of a commercial car parking facility because it had less of a focus on the taxpayer making an assessment about whether a car parking facility was being run on a commercial basis and more of a focus on objective factors looking at the terminology as a whole. But that wasn't the end, as we had all expected, because a lot of employers then breathed a sigh of relief in March 2022 when our former assistant treasurer announced by media release that the federal government would be undertaking consultation with the intent of restoring that previously understood application of car parking fringe benefits. We're now several months on from that announcement. We've got a new government in place. It's looking increasingly unlikely that a consultation and subsequent legislation would be able to be enacted in time for the 2023 FBT returns. And it was actually reaffirmed that the final ruling remains the ATO's current view within um, recent published minutes of the August FBT stakeholder group meeting. I guess the key issue here 
is that whilst the final view, it's not technically changed since the middle of 2021, um, but with the changing start dates, the media announcement, we're aware of a lot of employers out there that have been holding off on reviewing their car parking locations in the hope that we will see these changes reversed. But now we're, we're four months away from the end of the FBT year in which that penalty rate structure change first applies um, and it might now be time to, to review. That makes a lot of sense. It seems like employers might have had this hope that they didn't have to do anything, but now we are so close to the end of the FBT year, it sounds like they really critically need to start looking at it. You also mentioned the uh, the airlines often bring car parking cases. That's kind of driven the change in recent. Um, I suppose that's because the airlines, because of their nature, they provide a lot of car parking to their employees. Um, so the airlines are always coming up with arguments to try to get out of them. One of them is that the car parks are often so far away from the employee's place of work that they can't possibly constitute a car parking fringe benefit. A few weeks ago, we saw the ATO release proposed changes to the recent car parking tax ruling to take into account the recent decision in the Commissioner of Taxation and Virgin Australia Regional Airlines. George, can you give a brief explanation as to what the Virgin case is and what the ATO's current view is? Yeah, sure, Sam, absolutely. The Virgin case really centred around the issue of whether or not the flight crew and the cabin crew had a primary place of employment on a day and then whether or not that primary place of employment was in the vicinity of the car park. And so the airline's argument was that for flight and cabin crew, their primary place of employment was on the aircraft such that the aircraft would take off and that primary place of employment would be outside the vicinity of the staff car park at the airport terminal. In the alternate, it argued that the flight crew and the cabin crew didn't actually have a primary place of employment on a day because they're generally operating on more than one aircraft, so it was too difficult to say which one was the primary place. The ATO's argument was that the primary place of employment for those flight crew and cabin crew was the home base or the airport terminal from where they signed on and signed off for duty. And a key aspect of the decision in that case was the definition of primary place of employment. And it's a little bit technical, but um, there's two limbs in that definition. And the first limb of primary place of employment is the sole or primary place of employment of the employee. Uh, it's a little bit circular. Um, and the second limb is the place where the employee performs their duties, essentially. And without going into too much detail, basically what the court held was that if you satisfied the first limb, so if you had a primary place of employment on a day, you didn't need to then consider the second limb of the definition, which looked to the place where the employee was conducting their duties. And, and there was an, an analysis that was done of the enterprise agreements that covered the flight crew and the cabin crew. And in those enterprise agreements, there were particular factors that tied the employment to the home base. So things like rostering times, the requirement to sign on and sign off, rest periods, allowances, and of course the car parking entitlements were all tied to this concept of the home base. So what the court said was the home base is the primary place of employment. We don't actually need to consider where the employees are actually undertaking their duties. So there's a car parking fringe benefit arising 
for Virgin at those ports. And George, it was recently that the ATO did release for consultation proposed changes to that final car parking ruling following the Virgin case for what they consider the primary place of employment. And their view really did align with what was found in that case in that they said it would be either the business premises where there's employment conditions such as rostering, allowances, car parking entitlements, which would indicate that it's the primary place of employment, um, regardless of whether the employee is actually principally performing services there on that day, or otherwise it might be the primary place in which the employee performs their duties. That kind of brings us back to the point that the ATO is releasing this guidance around sort of more in-detail explanation of what satisfies a car parking fringe benefit. And on that, Stacey, can you summarise what the ATO's current view is on the commercial car parking station part of the new ruling? Yeah, so in terms of that definition of what a commercial car parking facility is, what that final ruling says is if the car park is being operated by a car parking operator, so think your Secures and your Wilsons of the world, then it will be a commercial car parking facility. But of course, there are other car parks that are not operated by Wilsons and Secures. Um, And for them, what the ruling provides is three hallmark characteristics. And if you have any two of those characteristics, what you have is a commercial car parking facility. So what they are is, one, is there clear signage visible from the street advertising that paid parking is available? Two, is there mechanisms to control who can enter and exit the park? So think boom gates or ticketing machines. And three does it charge more than a nominal fee for paid parking? So if you have any more than two of them, you have a commercial car parking facility. And the other thing to keep in mind is in terms of is it operated by a car parking operator, that would be the case even if they are operating the car park for or within another business. So if Secure is operating a car park at a hospital or shopping centre, for example. But as I mentioned earlier, one of the key changes is that car parks on it that have a penalty rate structure are no longer excluded from 1 April 2022. Um, So what that means is we're now in that position that there's a large number of parks that are now potentially giving rise to to, um, fringe benefits that have previously not. Yeah, that's right, Stacey. And and if we think about uh, where those locations might be, we're talking about those in retail, government and other businesses where car parking is outside the traditional CBD areas. Um, and so if you're one of those businesses, you might have to now consider whether or not um, car parking fringe benefits apply to you for the first time. It sounds like employers need to start looking at their car parking fringe benefits. It's already no secret that FBT is the most admin-heavy tax compared to the revenue it brings in. The changes to car parking fringe benefits have changed the landscape again. What should employees be doing to avoid a surprise FBT liability? Yeah, it's a good question, Sam. And I think what's really key is that, um, as Stacey mentioned, whilst FBT returns are not yet due, they'll be due uh, in May 2023 for ones that this amended penalty car parking rate definition applies to, you really don't want to be in a position where you have no records at that point in time. It may come as a surprise to some people, certainly not to anyone in this room, but car parking is a really difficult benefit to ascertain records um, of, and so you want to make sure that you're on the front foot. 
you want to be able to use the most advantageous method, especially if this treasury consultation piece that we were discussing earlier doesn't eventuate. Um, so for example, if your car parks are often underutilized, you might want to keep a 12-week register. Um, that means you need 12 weeks in the FBT year left to be able to keep that register. And the business will likely want to be budgeting for increased FBT costs. So when you're calculating your estimated exposures, um, it's worth considering alternate valuation methods for calculating the actual value of the car parking spaces. There's a few different options that you can take here. There's a market valuation method, which can be more advantageous if you've got car parks outside of CBD areas, um, particularly if they're uncovered. Um, and the commercial car parking station that's near that employee car park is a secure undercover car park, for example. And the other thing to keep in mind for those employers who have a large number of locations that are potentially within that one kilometre radius, if you don't have time to go trawling Google Maps and calling car parks for the rates to determine whether the location is impacted, remember that there are a lot of companies out there who collect car parking location and rate information every single day of the year, and they'll be able to provide that information to you for a, a quite nominal fee, which might save you a lot of time. Thanks, Berth. I think those are some really great practical tips on how to approach car parking fringe benefits, because sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. So for example, you don't know that there's companies out there that look at this certain thing in particular. Thank you, Stacey and George, for making the time today. If you'd like to hear more, just type Employment Tax KPMG into your favourite search engine and get in touch. George and Stacey love discussing car parking, so please feel free to reach out. Thanks for listening to another episode of the KPMG Tax Now podcast. If you'd like to ask a question, please send us an email at kpmgtaxnow at kpmg.com.au. Be sure to subscribe at kpmg.com forward slash au forward slash taxnow or follow our LinkedIn page at KPMG Taxnow Insights for regular updates.